And joining us here in the studio for the news briefing is Tre Mira. Good morning to you. Good morning, Henry. So, Mira, as we've been uh, looking at these daily infections uh, for quite a while, pretty much as long as we've been doing this uh, broadcast here on this morning, uh, we know that there are ups and downs. It's sort of a roller coaster, a yo-yo effect of infection spiking and then kind of going back or plateauing. We seem to be in a pretty kind of steady pattern. And that's been the case, I think, for... Um, well over a month now, where we hover between 500 to 700 cases. And it really is not necessarily uh, dependent on external events, although those have some effect. But really, when we talk about the cycle of reports, Monday and Tuesday, maybe people who don't pay attention feel, wow, things are getting better, because you often see the numbers go down, because they reflect the weekend numbers. And then inevitably, by the midweek, Wednesday, Thursday, especially Friday, you see these numbers spike up again as more and more tests are done in the middle of the week. Yesterday, so again, reflecting the numbers from the day before, at midnight, we saw that there was a slight downtick in the numbers, right? Yes, that's right. Uh, The number of new daily COVID-19 cases fell below 600 yesterday after going above 600 and even 700 over the past week. And yesterday, the country reported 528 new cases, including 506 local infections, raising the total caseload to 132,818. And there was one virus-related death, Uh, making the total to 1,904. And yesterday, we saw a lower daily tally uh, due to fewer tests done over the weekend. But unfortunately, today's number is likely to go up above 600 because the country reported 599 new cases as of 9 p.m. Mm. yesterday and 122 more, uh, more than at the same time the previous day. And as for the vaccination, uh, more than 1 million or uh, 2% of the population have been fully vaccinated, meaning that they have received both doses of two-dose vaccines, and more than 3.7 million people, or roughly uh, 7.3%, have received their first shots. Right. And so certainly um, interesting to see that uh, we are progressing on that front. So 2% of the population completely fully vaccinated, and they are uh, fairly, I I, I suppose, barring any major side effects, and most of them have not suffered side effects, uh, they are uh, safe from the infection for the large part and can probably feel fairly secure going around anywhere they want, maybe even overseas, come back uh, and uh, enjoy um, a a Mm quarantine-free return to the country. Going back to the daily cases, though, Mita, we haven't really seen, and this is pretty interesting because it's remarkable in its consistency. We haven't seen a big upsurge to, let's say, a thousand new cases or a plunge back into the numbers of when we used to enjoy under 100 Mm, cases per day. So we're we're not at any of those two extremes, and we're just stuck at this 500, 600, sometimes 700 range. And maybe that's just the normal way of how we have to deal with this virus um, Mm. for now until we have the mass vaccinations take effect. But we still have to, and it's always kind of this jittery, tense situation. We have to keep watching for sporadic cluster infections. That is still a worrisome uh, development. And people now, as we have been warning and cautioning, uh, as the weather gets warmer, it is Buddha's birthday today, so we're expecting a lot of people to be Mm. out and about uh, either going to the parks or maybe if you are Buddhist yourself, maybe visiting temples and what have you. So you're going to be mingling outside in the warmer weather, Potential for infections now still there. 
as things stand right now, Mira, the uh, authorities are going to announce whether or not they're going to maintain the current social distancing rules, and that should come around Friday. That's right. Uh, Son Young-rae, a senior uh, health official of the Central Disaster and Safety Countermeasure Headquarters, said yesterday that the authorities are now discussing whether or not to extend the current social distancing guidelines, and they will make the announcement on Friday. The new measures will take effect for three weeks starting from uh, next Monday. And we have been under this current social distancing scheme for a long period of time mm-hmm. uh, in which Seoul and its surrounding areas, which account for more than half of the nation's daily new infection cases, are under level 2, and the rest of the country is under level 1.5 of the current five-tier system. The ban on gatherings of uh, five or more people is applied nationwide, and some businesses, including restaurants and cafes uh, in the greater uh, capital, capital area, are required to close at 10 p.m., And given that the health authorities plan to introduce a new four-tier social distancing scheme in July, the current system is likely to remain in uh, in place for another round. Yeah, and not to be too cynical, I mean, whether it's five-tier or four-tier, I think a lot of people feel it doesn't really matter Mm -hmm. because we've been violating, not violating, but we've been kind of exceeding the the protocols or the thresholds for whether we move up from 1 to 1.5 to 2 to 2.5, and it does feel kind of arbitrary where the government decides, well, maybe we don't want to go up to 2.5 yet, but mm-hmm. we'll put some other tweaks here and there, or maybe we'll lower to 2.0. And so, yeah, um, no rhyme or reason, but this is a crazy pandemic. And I, I guess there's a lot of uh, um, still things to work out. And the science is still unfolding, even as we speak right now. Let's turn to the uh, major events yesterday. As uh, most of our regular listeners know, we extended some special coverage to the May 18th Democratic Uprising. It was the 41st commemoration of that major event in Korean history. And to just give an overview or a recap of what happened, uh, politically speaking, Mina, both the ruling and opposition parties had a uh, sort of, I would say, a a gesture of goodwill in traveling to Gwangju, paying tribute to the victims of what was known now to be a brutal crackdown by a military dictatorship. At the official commemorative ceremony, um, opposition party members, actually, and and I think most people would say um, it was pleasant to see a, a change in their attitude compared to even just a few years ago, right? That's right. A ceremony was held to commemorate the 41st anniversary of Gwangju pro-democracy uprising yesterday at a national cemetery in Gwangju. And at the end of the ceremony, uh, Kim Gi-yeon, floor leader and acting chairman of the main opposition People Power Party, sang the memorial song, March for the Beloved, or Imulwian Hengjinguk with leaders of the ruling party. And this was in stark contrast to their attitude of four years ago because the leaders of the main opposition party at that time had refused to sing along the symbolic song. Mm-hmm. And Gim told uh, reporters after the ceremony that they are deeply sorry for the bereaved families 
and they will keep working hard to improve the country's democracy by upholding this, the spirit of the victims who uh, played a major role in bringing about uh, democracy to the country. He also met his ruling party counterpart Song Yong-gil to have rice balls uh, for breakfast together. And rice ball is the symbolic food of the Gwangju pro-democracy movement because uh, it is known that uh, street vendors made uh, rice balls, chumokbab, and gave them to protesters during the movement. And PPP floor uh, spokesperson Kang Min-suk said in a statement that uh, the May 18th spirit does not just belong to a certain political party and that the PPP will continue to work with Hunan region and uh, do its best to prove its sincere commitment. And minor opposition People's Party leader An Cheol-su also attended the ceremony and told reporters that Quote, it is our generation's responsibility to inherit the May 18th spirit that links the past to the future, unquote. Right. And a continuation of what we talked about yesterday, where for the very first time, the bereaved Family Members Association of the May 18th invited the two opposition politicians, Chang Eun-chan and Song Il-jong, mm-hmm. who are known to be, I guess, um, figures who tend to be more of the moderate and, and uh, more have been traditionally, historically more sympathetic to the May 18th movement. And therefore, that was a key reason as to why those two were invited uh, to that ceremony, unprecedented, but also unprecedented what we're seeing with Kim Gi-hyun, the floor leader, and as you say, the acting chairman of the party. Not just symbolic in the fact that he was there, but the fact that he was known to be um, singing the song very uh, enthusiastically Mm, and not really, you know, you can tell when some people are, it looks like they're reading a ransom note or Mm. they have have a gun to their head (laughs) and they're doing it because they're forced to do it. But he was trying to show sincerity, um, like you said, very good gesture and symbolic as well uh, with eating the chumokbap or the, um, the, the rice ball uh, with his counterpart, the uh, ruling party chairman, Song yong And once again, we have to say, yeah, maybe it's about getting votes. and Maybe it's about looking at Honam and saying, maybe these guys will not vote 90% for the ruling party again. And maybe we can split the vote and, and help uh, ourselves win elections. I don't know if that's the motive, but even if that's the motive, if it does mean that going forward right now, we're not going to have people anymore talk about the May 18th like we saw with um, um, lawmakers like Kim Jin-tae and Kim Sule in, in years past mm. where they say these are communist infiltrators. This is like a, a, a ridiculous oh. hoax, you know, kind of almost like Nazi deniers mm. uh, back in the day. And again, this was just a few years ago that this same party was doing that. And so if this just becomes not even big news where opposition people and ruling party people just come together and it has nothing to do with politics. And it's just a, a major event to commemorate. It really means the country has moved a long yeah. way. And so uh, no matter how you see it, you have to look at it in an optimistic way. Let's talk about something that is not so optimistic. <laughs> and we're talking about Kim Gi-hyun. He's probably going to have a major role in being uh, an obstructionist on this issue. Uh, the prosecutor general nominee, Kim Osu, has been under attack from the PPP. Um, and they have not been very cooperative in trying to set a date for the confirmation hearing. But but then they um, finally changed their mind. It's kind of interesting that they did concede on this. So the both parties now have agreed on a date for the confirmation hearing. A lot of people thought they were going to stubbornly stick by uh, their obstruction until they got the so-called chairmanship of the Judiciary Committee. What was behind the change in position? Uh, the main opposition had been uncooperative because it argued that 
It would not cooperate with the ruling party to set the date unless the ruling party returns the chairman position of the National Assembly's Legislation and Judiciary Committee to the PPP. But it seems like uh, that they have changed their mind to use the confirmation hearing as an opportunity to publicly call into question uh, Kim's liberal bias. And ruling DP's vice floor leader Han Byung-do and his PPP counterpart Chu Kyung-ho agreed yesterday that they will hold uh, Kim Osu's confirmation hearing on May 26th uh, after holding a plenary session on May 21st. The appointment of the Judiciary Committee chief will not be discussed at the plenary session, though, and Han said they will deal with uh, urgent bills related to people's livelihoods first, such as uh, real estate bills. The confirmation hearing will be chaired by uh, Judiciary Committee Chief Yoon Ho-jung, and Yoon has been elected as DP flow leader, but he is still in the post because the proceedings to appoint his uh, nominee, Park kwang have been stalled uh, due to the fierce opposition from the PPP, uh, which has been arguing that the seat should be reserved for the main opposition party. And Han said both sides don't seem to be willing to back down on the uh, Judiciary Committee chief issue, uh, so it will definitely take a long time before the both parties take steps to appoint the chief. Right. So the question as to why did the main opposition decide to concede on this issue, um, as as you have laid out quite clearly, is they find it politically beneficial to perhaps mm-hmm. go this other way. Maybe they look more reasonable, as they're not going to be seen to be holding up the nomination hearing itself, but they find an opportunity perhaps Uh, during the hearings to kind of put on a political show and kind of bash him and then kind of make him look bad and then perhaps get the positive press coverage or change the public sentiment decidedly against Kim Osu to perhaps score more points, at the same time continuing their fight on the judiciary chairman position, which, as you say, is being held by the current floor leader right now. So... It's going to be interesting to see how that all unfolds. Once again, the math of the situation is the ruling party has enough votes to push this through Mm. whether they want or not. And so it's just a matter of the political optics of all of this. Let's talk about the ruling party now because a lot of people have been confused with the government and the ruling party's real estate policy direction. Um, It's confusing in the sense that the government and other people seem to be moving in uh, tightening regulations, making uh, punitive tax measures on uh, speculation. But then there are ruling party voices that talk about easing loan regulations to help people who can't afford it uh, buy a house uh, more easily for residential purposes. The ruling uh, Democratic Party chairman, the new chairman right now, Song Yong-gil, elaborating on this project to help anybody who wants to buy a house. Give us more details, please. Sure. Uh, the ruling party uh, is implementing a project uh, that is called Nugunaji Project, uh, meaning that anyone can buy a house. And DP floor leader Song Young-gil said the main goal of the project is to allow anyone to buy a house by paying only 6% of the house price. For, for the remaining 94%, a special purpose a company in charge of carrying out the project will fund 50% through long-term mortgages, and with 10% invested by a builder, 10% made up for uh, by the gains of the project, and 24% 
raised by security loan for Cheonsae deposit. And Song said people pay for housing in many different ways. For instance, some are paying rent and some are paying interest for Cheonsae loans or uh, paying mortgage interest. But the key to the project uh, is to eliminate those differences to allow anyone to own a home. And it would be a totally different new alternative to housing. He also said the government will soon announce the revised loan-to-value or LTV ratios for different regions, but it would not go up to 90% as some suggested. Right. So it sounds complicated. Um, Maybe to some people who haven't been able to buy a house, it will uh, seem like something attractive. But you kind of wonder, um, we've all been very upset. Well, not the rich people, but we've all been upset that the price of housing has been going up so high and it's been uh, unaffordable. Mm. Is this a a policy that will actually keep housing prices Mm. down? I, I feel a little skeptical on that front. Let's talk about then the guy who actually would be in charge of real estate policy, the newly appointed land minister, No hyung Uk. Also reiterating that the uh, government's real estate policy is, just like Song Yong-gyo said, to make it easier for people who want to buy homes to purchase homes, especially young people. But he emphasized the role of the private sector as well, right? That's right. No Yong-uk began his official work as new Minister of Land, Infrastructure and Transport yesterday by holding a meeting with nine local governments, public organizations like LH and private housing associations to discuss how to expedite a supply of new homes. No said he feels really bad to see people discouraged to achieve their lifetime dream of owning a home due to the soaring house prices. So the best way to help them is to establish a foundation to keep the housing supplies steady. But in order to do that, uh, private sector's help is necessary because it would be much more efficient if uh, private companies and developers join their efforts to supply houses in areas with high business value, while the government and public institutions are responsible for home supply in areas with uh, low business value and complex interests. While encouraging participation of the private sector, the organizations uh, that attended the meeting also agreed to continue to discuss ways to uh, strengthen monitoring to control speculative forces. Well, uh, again, so many different ideas and policies and, mm. and ways to come up with, but we have not, it, the results speak for themselves. We have not seen any tangible kind of real results that is satisfactory to the majority of the public. And that is why uh, we have seen um, approval ratings fall for both the ruling party and the government on this front, because whatever they say is what they're trying to do just simply doesn't seem to be working. So the rich people are upset because of the taxes, the poor people are upset because the prices mm-hmm. are still uh, too high, and um, we don't see to have a a big, clear solution in sight. Final story here. Big trip for the president. U.S. President Joe Biden announcing yesterday now that the country will provide extra 20 million doses to other countries. Um, Some optimism now that this is going to be good for Korea to achieve a vaccine swap deal, perhaps with this upcoming South Korea-U.S. summit. That's right. Uh, Joe Biden said in a brief speech yesterday that the U.S. plans to send an additional 20 million doses of Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson vaccines to other countries by the end of June. The announcement came after he uh, vowed to give 60 million doses of AstraZeneca vaccines overseas, meaning that the country will ship 
80 million doses total uh, over the next few weeks. The latest pledge is raising expectations that Korea could sign a vaccine swap agreement with the U.S., which would allow Seoul uh, to receive surplus vaccines from the U.S. and send back the same amount later. Biden made such an announcement as the U.S. is showing signs of slowing down in virus infection and the country has enough amount of additional supplies. The two countries are also expected to strengthen their cooperation for vaccine manufacturing. And market sources believed uh, that Korea's Samsung Biologics would soon sign a contract to roll out Moderna's COVID-19 vaccines in Korea. Yeah, and so you're going to see a lot of reporting on uh, the wonders of Samsung Biologics and this wonderful achievement and, of course, um, how Lee Jae-yong was mm-hmm. instrumental in this and he yeah. should be uh, freed from prison. But joking aside, all of this is uh, very positive and we are seeing now um, more and more signs that the U.S. are realizing that they have this big surplus that other countries, um, although they're able to procure the vaccines at Korea, but the delivery schedules perhaps should be a little bit faster that mm-hmm. uh, we should hopefully see some good news on some kind of swap deal or procurement deal uh, after this uh, summit ends. And so we'll certainly be uh, looking forward to that indeed. All right, um, Bida, as always, we appreciate you joining us anytime, but always, especially on a holiday as you uh, take your time off uh, from your family to uh, join us. So thank you very much. And we definitely look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you for having me.